Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. Well, man, it's good to, good to be with you guys this morning. If you don't know who I am, I'm Ryan. I'm our lead pastor here at Radiant Life, and um, the true lead pastor is Jesus Christ of this church. And... Um, I just can't wait. I, I'm so excited to be in this series. We started this series January of 2022. And uh, I warned you then. You remember this warning if you were around then. I said, this will be a series we're in for the next like three, five years. And now you kind of understand why, right? We've been bouncing around here and there, taking off ramps, coming back in. Acts is one of my absolute favorite books in the entire Holy Scripture is the book of Acts. You begin to see the church being awakened in birth and seeing the presence of God move on people's lives. I do not believe that the book of Acts was just for 2,000 years ago. I believe it's for today and the future as well. And we get to dive into it. And so if you got your word with you, if you got the Bible, if you're on your tablet or you've got your personal, come on, who, who loves a real copy of the word? Come on, man. I, I love going to a bookstore, and you, you know, I'll take you right there. You know the smell of a bookstore, don't you? You know that first time that you crack open a brand new book, you can smell it. I like the old hard copy here. Digital's fine. Digital's great. Um, nothing beats this right here, right here. Uh, so, oh, I got to get you there. You don't know where you're going. Acts five seventeen. Okay, 17. Pastor Brandon left us off uh, back in the fall. Can you believe it? That was the last time we were together on this series. Back in the fall, he left off at verse 16. So welcome to the 15th installment of this series. I believe it's 15. It could be 16, the lost count. Does anyone know what it really is? It is 16. Yes, I was correct in my notes. So this is installment 16. Thank you. I've titled this The Power of Supernatural Boldness. And uh, so if you're on Acts chapter 5, say word. word. We get in the word, so the... Come on now, that's fun. Here we go. Acts chapter 15. Stay there for a moment. I'm going to take us just to a few verses in Acts 4. Because here's the setup for today. The setup for today, what you and I are going to look at, is a complete setup from Acts chapter 4. Something happens in Acts chapter 4, particularly a prayer that occurs in order for Acts chapter 5, 17 through 42 happens. So let me take you back to Acts chapter 4 and show you a few verses to set up this right here. In Acts 4, 18, we have this. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of who? Jesus, right? So you have the authorities that are very upset at the apostles. Now I'm going to change my language from disciples to apostles because disciple means a learner. It, they're never done learning, but apostle means one who is sent. And since Acts 2 has already happened, the Spirit of God has come down upon them. They are now sent out. Because in Acts 1, Jesus says, listen, the second last, the second last command Jesus gave was the Great Commission. Go into all world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For surely I am with you always to the ends of the earth, to the ends of this age. And you go, how is that possible? Because the disciples didn't realize Acts 2 was coming, right? 
Acts 1, Jesus says, okay, here's my last command. Wait. I gave you the great commission. Wait. Because the Spirit's going to fall upon you, and you're going to go witness now. Now go do the great commission. So this is all beginning to set up. And they're out speaking now. They're the apostles. They're sent out. Jesus is gone. The Spirit's residing in them. And now they're apostles. They're sent out on mission. And they're speaking and teaching about Jesus. About who? Jesus, Jesus, right? And so the elders, they're upset. They're like, hey, stop talking about Jesus. How many of you know today people are divided about Jesus? You can talk God, you can talk spirituality, but bring up Jesus at the water cooler, people will run and flee. Now you're stepping on my toes, but listen, those are the best conversations to have because they know there's a stirring and when you step on their toes, there's a stirring inside of them and you know, oh, you need Jesus. And now they're telling, don't speak about it. So here's their response. They were in jail and they were released and they went, on their, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, this referring to don't speak or teach about Jesus, they raised their voices together in God. So they got unified together and said, let's pray. And here's part of their prayer in verse 29. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all what, friends? With boldness. Here's our prayer. Our prayer is, let us obey that we don't speak or teach. Our prayer is, we're going to speak your word with what? With boldness. Give us that boldness because the chief priests and the elders told us not to do it. Give us boldness. Because we know the calling on our lives. It says, while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And you see that in Acts 5. All those signs and wonders beginning to happen. And then in verse 31, it reads this way. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God. How? boldly. There it is. God's answer to their prayer of boldness is an outpouring of the Spirit. Do you see it? Let's go back. I I didn't hear enough yeses. Let's go back. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God. How again? The answer to their prayer is God saying, I'm going to empower you by my spirit. This is how you're going to get it done. It's through the pouring, of about, pouring out of my spirit. Is the baptism or immersion of Holy Spirit a one-time event? No. What happened in Acts 2? They were filled with the spirit. You see it right here again. That they were filled, there was an outpouring of the Spirit again on their lives. Listen, this is why Paul writes, to be consistently filled with the Spirit. Right? Why? You leak. You leak. Listen, don't rely on yesterday's anointing. Today's a new day. Get a new anointing and filling today. You need to start every single day praying, Holy Spirit, fill me. And by the way, I don't want it to my ankle. I don't want it to my knee or my waist. I want it to be overflowing. So people around me get dripped with the Holy Spirit. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, be drippy. 
But this is it, Acts 1-8. Look at this. But you will receive, this is all set up, it's all related. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And look at the result. And you will be my what? Witness in Jerusalem, where you're at, in Judea, the region where you're at, in Samaria, the place that you don't like to go, and to the end of the earth. The power that Holy Spirit gave, when Holy Spirit fell down, they received the power that was purposed. And it was purposed to go be witnesses, to go and actually have the great commission in Matthew 28 happen. It was needed. And here they are. Here they are. Backed in the corner. Understanding the church is growing. And they're praying for a boldness to preach Jesus to people. Acts chapter 5 verse 16. In addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Signs and wonders. What Jesus said would happen is happening. Signs and wonders. Then the high priest rose up, he and all who were with him, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. Because the problem is, the apostles are out there preaching Jesus, And the high priest and the Sadducees, they don't like this. One of the reasons the Sadducees don't like it is this. They do not believe in angels. They don't believe in heavenly beings. And the Sadducees don't believe in resurrection. And what are the apostles preaching? They're about the resurrection, right? And they don't like it. And now what are they doing? They're filled with jealousy, They're filled with jealousy because the apostles are up against their way of life. See, when you bring Jesus to people, this could be a response from them. Because all of a sudden, you know what Holy Spirit and the power in in your life from him means to you. That your, your relationships, although not perfect, but you're able to enjoy each other's relationship, love on one another, because the power of Holy Spirit's in you. And they look at you and say, well, that's not my life. And you don't have a root of bitterness growing up in your heart. And you can forgive when you've been hurt. I'm not negating the hurt. That is real. But Jesus says, I've given you the power to get up and forgive. And when you have unforgiveness again, I have the power for you to get up and forgive again. And the outsiders look and say, well, I can't do that. I hold on grudges. And they may respond with jealousy by looking at your life, seeing the spirit of God in you. And the story continues. So they arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. They've been there before. And they're going back. Because they won't stop talking about Jesus Christ. And it continues. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and tell all the people about this life. Okay, God is awesome, right? He's awesome, amen? Check this out. 
first and foremost, they're in jail. And what gets them out of jail? Okay, the angel, right? Who doesn't believe in angels? <laughs> the ones that put them in jail. Don't believe in the beings that got them out of jail to begin with. That is awesome. And then the angel says, by the way, go and stand where in the what? The temple. Where they were preaching to begin with and where they were arrested. Go back to the place you were arrested and tell all about this life. You need to go tell people about a life with Jesus Christ. Go tell people about the life of Jesus. And please hear me. Our doctrine and our belief system matters. What you believe matters. But our message is not only about our beliefs. It's about a life with Jesus. They need to know what difference does Jesus make in your life. And tell me that. And I know for some of us, you're like, man, dude, I, got, I know in this room, you guys got stories of what you once were like pre-Jesus and what your, life, what your life is like now with Jesus. Go share that. It doesn't mean you have to have this beautiful, eloquent story. Some do. Some don't. But you know what is the difference Jesus made in your life. And you need to go share about that with people. For some of us, like me, you've been in your church since you were probably a few days old. And you're like, I've just done this thing my whole life. Like, I don't have that really cool testimony like some do. But you do. Don't negate how God has worked in your life. Don't negate that. You got a testimony. You got power. Go share that. Yeah. You may not have been that person that was redeemed from absolute darkness like some people have in this room. But you've been redeemed from your sins. You've seen God move in different ways in your life. Answered prayer. Times that God didn't answer, but how it actually drew you closer to him. Come on, we all got a story. We need to share it. This world Listen, I think most of this world knows what Christians stand for, but they need to know what a life with Jesus is about. That's what they're hungry for. And so Acts chapter two, you know, that angel appears and then verse 21, hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to preach. Again, going back to the place they were arrested and they're preaching. How are they preaching? Because they prayed in Acts 4 for a boldness, and the boldness came by an outpouring of the Spirit. That's how God answered there. So they're able to go back to the place where they're arrested and speak for Jesus because they have supernatural boldness through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on their lives. Please hear me on this. Here's the reality in a room this size and those watching online and even in our other services. The reality is today, Christians are afraid to witness. We're afraid to bring Jesus to the table with family that is far from him. We're afraid to bring Jesus to our coworkers that don't know him. We're afraid to bring Jesus to friends, neighbors. We're afraid to bring Jesus where we work, where we live, where we play. 
and we're locked up, maybe not in a physical jail, but we're locked up in the jail, jail of fear. Let me relieve you for a moment. Every human being deserves to hear the gospel. And there may be people in your life that God says, listen, you're my witness. You've been empowered by my spirit. I'll give you the words when needed. How many times do we rely on ourselves more than relying on the empowering of Holy Spirit who lives us? Hey, last week we learned resurrection power lives in you. Why are we afraid to go, I don't know what to say about Jesus. Resurrection power lives in you. Go speak Jesus with boldness to people. Well, what's fun is, jump into Acts chapter 5 again. It says, when the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin and the full council of the Israelites and sent orders to the jail to have them brought to them, Right? But when the servants got there, referring to the jail, they did not find them in the jail, so they returned and reported something. Can you imagine the servants? Hey, you got to go into the jail. You bring them. And now they go to the jail, and they're like, oh, not there. What are we going to say? And where are they reporting to? The Sanhedrin. Here's a picture of what the Sanhedrin was like. You had 71 members. 70 true members, one was the high priest, which gets to 71 members. This acted as like the court system in the ancient world with some religious priorities there. But the accused that's in the shadow would stand before the high priest with 35 members on your right, 35 members on the left, and you stood trial. And now these servants have to go to this setting right here. By the way, they met in the temple and report... The guys you put in jail aren't here. So, here's their, here's their report. We found the jail securely locked. Isn't that ironic? That makes you wonder, how did the angel get them out? I mean, well, here, look. Uh, by the way, with the guards are still standing in front of the doors. Uh, how, did they, how did they do that? Just think about it. I think the Bible's awesome. Did it ever make you wonder, how did this stuff happen? Hey, here's our belief. Listen, I have faith that this occurred. I don't need to fully understand it, because if I can get an infinite God in my finite mind, he's not a God worth worshiping. And some of us are so paralyzed in moving for God, because we have to have all the ducks in the row and all the answers laid out. Listen, our God is a God of mystery, but I will gladly bow my knee, because he sent his son Jesus Christ for me. I don't have, I don't know. I just think it's fun sometimes to put question marks in your Bible. This is one of those. Uh, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. And as the captain of the temple police and the chief priests heard of these things, they were baffled about them, wondering what would come of this. I think that's a natural response to the outside world that is far from Jesus when they see God's hand move. I'm baffled, and I wondered, what has happened? It's a natural response. And the story continues. Someone came and reported to them, look, the men you put in jail are now standing in the temple and teaching the people. Uh Uh-oh. 
Then the commander went out with the servants and brought them in without force because they were afraid the people might stone them. And after they brought them in, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin, 35 on the right, 35 on the left, the high priest in the middle. And the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. What would it look like, friends, if we as Christians got that supernatural boldness that the Lord would look upon us and say, hey, church, you filled Sturgis with your teaching. Hey, church, you filled Bronson with your teaching. Hey, church, you filled Colin with your teaching. Keep doing it. You filled the whole city. What would it look like if we began and the Lord looked at you and said, you filled your home with the teaching of the Lord. Well done. You filled your school with the teaching of the Lord. Well done. You filled your sports team with the teaching of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. What would it look like? How are they able to do it? They had that supernatural boldness. They had it. And then Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. I did a message, I can't tell you what installment, back about civil disobedience. When are we allowed to stand up against the government and have civil disobedience? We are called to be under government. We are. But when are we allowed to stand up against it as Christians? So go to that message, that, go there. But I will say this, we need the empowering of the presence of God to discern accordingly when to stand and when to submit. We need discernment. And then the story continues. The God of our ancestors, Peter speaking, the God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. God exalted this man to his right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Here's what he's calling everyone to do. Repent, and there's forgiveness. That Jesus Christ did die, but listen, he is raised because he's at the right hand of the Father now. And you got to repent. The heart of repentance is turning your heart from the little idols in life and coming back to true worship of God and putting him on the throne of your life. Not the little idols anymore. It's not those things that trip you up. It's not success. It's not alcohol. It's not your fame. It's not your career. It's not your family as a little G God. It is the true God. And he says, let go and come back. And there's forgiveness of your sins. You don't have to walk around like Adam and Eve in shame and guilt anymore. You don't have to walk around with fig leaves because now you're not covered in fig leaves, you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to do that anymore. He goes, oh, hold on, went too far. But he's able to do it and the apostles were able because there's an outpouring of the spirit on their lives and they got boldness. And Jesus told them with their time together, he said, he warned them in Luke, he's in Luke 12. He's like, this is going to happen. I wonder if this actually, when they began to experience this, the apostles, I wonder if they actually turned around and been like, oh yeah, like, 
hey, remember when Jesus met with us? He actually told us this would happen. Here's what Luke 12 says. These are, these are Jesus' words. Whenever they bring you before synagogues and rulers and authorities, like we're right here in Acts 5, he says, when you're there, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. The Spirit that they have, that has filled them when they prayed for boldness, is with you. And he's going to give you the words to say in the moment. Here's a relief to all of us. We should breathe a big sigh of relief when it comes to you and I. That Holy Spirit will speak to and through you. Don't rely on your own strength. I'm not saying be ill-prepared, because we're always called to be prepared to give a testimony at any hour. You ought to. But he says, listen, it's not just going to be your words. It's not going to be your words to your teammates. It's going to be me working through you. Listen, do you have an awareness of who I am, though, working in your life? If you don't have that awareness, how are you going to know my, my words that I'm giving you to say? I'll give you the words to say at school. I'll give you the words to say with your locker mate, those around you. I'll give you the words to say to that client that always shows up at your business. I'll give you it. I'll work in you and through you. Because remember, Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Remember, the power was purposed. The Spirit's going to come, so go witness. Go witness. And look after Peter preached with boldness to them. They're not a fan of what Peter had to say. In fact, Acts 5, 33. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. They're, that's their response to seeing the boldness and power within their lives. We're upset and we want you dead. I'm going to quickly give you three responses uh, when someone comes under the conviction of Holy Spirit in their lives, that you and I, as we pray for boldness, may encounter three responses. Okay? The previous service didn't get this. The joke in pastor world is this. Good pastors give you the same letters. If we had like five points, every point begins with the same letter. Right? That's like the joke in pastor world. Okay? I'm going to show you three responses, and I've given you an L.A. for all three responses to help you remember it, okay? Are we ready? Except the first one's a little tricky, but you'll understand, okay? <laughs> response when someone comes under the conviction of Holy Spirit, here's the first response, a life-changing acceptance. And if that's you here this morning, say amen. amen. Oh, boy, that wasn't enough. We'll get you there. <laughs> Come on, you know it. You've had that conviction of Holy Spirit and you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You know it's life-changing acceptance. You've accepted that conviction and your, your life has changed forever. Here's the second one. And the second one is what the apostles ran into. They're enraged. They want them dead. Perhaps sometimes under the conviction of the Spirit, there's loud antagonism. Loud antagonism. That is exactly what the Sanhedrin is up against. We are mad, we have a response, we're enraged, and we want to kill you. I think these are the best people to run into. And I know you're like, are you 
crazy pastor. Like these are the people I ignore. Like I run away from these people. Here's why I think it's the greatest thing. Because why do they respond with loud antagonism? Something's happening in their heart. They're feeling the conviction of Holy Spirit. They don't know it's the Spirit of God yet. But they're feeling it. So I would rather speak to these people who feel the Spirit of God convicting them than someone who doesn't even feel that. Oh, if it's convicting enough to make them mad, it's convicting enough to see them saved. Don't back off. And I know, and I get it. Please hear me. I know it's hard, right? It's hard. It's it's like, I don't even want to talk to them because I don't like their response. But I'm telling you, the Lord is working on their life. Stick with it. Stick with it. Because they're responding to what's going on inside in their heart. They just don't know it yet. You do. Stick with it. If it's convicting enough to make them upset, it's convicting enough to see them saved. The third and last is, this is the one that I don't like dealing with. It's loose ambivalence. Just meaning they're just totally indifference. There's no response there. They're just like, yeah. And I know those people to get rejected Speaking to Jesus as those people is really easier to accept in your life than it is someone with loud antagonism, right? But these people are just like indifferent. No, no, no. Three responses. The rest of Acts chapter five, I'm not gonna have it all on the screen for you. But a guy by the name of, a worship team, make your way up. A guy by the name of Gamaliel who ended up forming a rabbi school that a guy by the name of Paul would go to. He learned from this rabbi. He went to this school. He got up, because he was part of the Sanhedrin. He got up and he warned his fellow Sanhedrin members, hey, be careful. Be careful how we respond here to the apostles. And he gave them two historical references. He said, Theodos, he was a man, you guys remember this? He, he had 400 men that rallied to him. And we killed them off. His followers dispersed. And it was an end of that movement. Then he said, it happened again with Judas the Galilean. Not Judas the Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, but Judas the Galilean. He had the same thing. He had these members to rise up with him and eventually killed off and that movement just stopped. And Gamaliel says this, if the plans of the apostles that are here in this room right now, if, if the work is of human work and origin, if it's, if it's of man, it's gonna fail. But then he says this, but if it's truly of God, we can't stop it. Then he says, and if we're going to try, and it's of God, and we're going to try to stop it, he warns the whole Sanhedrin, we're going to find ourselves fighting against God. And it said, and after he said that, they were persuaded by him. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, the Sanhedrin, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. This idea of flogging. 
In the ancient world, you had the Jews, you had the Romans. The Jews had a way of flogging as punishment by the Sanhedrin. The Romans had a way of flogging as well. Jesus received the flogging of the Jews, and so did the apostles here. 39 lashes. The belief that the 40 lash would kill a man. So we stop one shy short of death. The Jews would do one-third of the lashes on the front of you, two-thirds on the backside. It was horrific. And they got flogged because they spoke the name of Jesus when they were told not to. And then they're ordered again, don't speak it. And their response blows me away. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin after being flogged, rejoicing. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name Jesus. of the 39 lashes on the front, two-thirds on the back, and say, yeah, I'm going to back off the name of Jesus for a while. But they rejoiced. And then get this. The last verse in Acts 5. Every day in the temple where they were arrested and in various homes, teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That he's the Messiah. We got to take a hard look inside, family. Would we have stopped? Would we have stopped? And I know it's easy to look and be like, no, no, of course not. Would you stop today? You may not get flogged, but if social rejection happens to you because you want to bring Jesus to your family and they're like, knock it off, and they want to ostracize you, would you still stop though? Say, well, that's my family. I don't want to be rejected. How are they able to continue? Because they had supernatural boldness. They had the empowering of Holy Spirit in their life. N.T. Wright says this. I love this quote. The church needs again and again that same sense of God's powerful presence shaking us up, blowing away the cobwebs, filling us with the Spirit, and giving us that same boldness. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.